Hello, my name is Lee Shellnut, and I'm the pastor of the Huntersville Associate Reformed Presbyterian Church. That's a mouthful, so we affectionately know of ourselves as HARP. We at HARP welcome you to the podcast of our preaching and teaching ministry. We're grateful that you've joined us. If you're encouraged by what you hear, we'd love to have you subscribe. We believe in the power of God's Word, and we love sharing the glorious good news of the Lord Jesus Christ as we preach and teach through the pages of Holy Scripture. So join us now as we open up God's Word. This is the invitation. Well, this morning we'll be in... Luke chapter 1, starting our new series. <clears throat> have to excuse me for a minute while I get set up here. At the 9 o'clock service, I put my notebook in the shelf under the pulpit here, and it fell out and hit my feet in the middle of the sermon. So we'll try not to do that again. <laughs> okay, and you'll see our passage from Luke 1, 46 through 55, printed in your bulletin as well. We're starting this new series for Advent. You'll notice our colors have changed. So as the season changes, our colors change to mark um, this time of anticipation as we join with Israel who look forward to Christ's uh, first coming. We now, in the same way, look forward to Christ's coming again. And so we'll sing, or we will look at these songs of praise in the early chapters of Luke, and we'll see as Israel rejoiced and the fact that God has come, and how we also can rejoice in Christ's coming. So let's read Luke 1, 46 through 55. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for your spirit. We ask that through this word and by your spirit, you will open our hearts to receive you and to commune with you. I pray that you will use my humble words and that in my weakness you will show yourself to be strong as you work in our lives and you make us more like Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, have you ever had one of those times where you're just waiting and waiting and waiting for something? You know, when you're, when you're younger, you just anticipate and you wait for Christmas to come. It's, Christmas is coming and I'm so excited. Well, sometimes when you're older, this I'm waiting and waiting for something can quickly turn into I'm worrying and worrying for something. Uh, I think of me like when um, my wife Jillian and I got married, married, we dated for a really, really long time. And so my 
anticipation oftentimes looked more like I'm worried about when we're going to get married, how it's going to look, where it's going to be. I'm worried about all these things. Well, then you find one day that you get there, the big moment happens, and you look back and you say, I'm here. I can't believe it. We made it. And you think, you know, the Lord really was faithful the whole time. He really was there. I should have just been trusting Him. Well, you see, you can see a little something like that in our text today because, you know, Israel waited and waited for the Messiah. And they sang, O come, O come, Emmanuel, ransom captive Israel, save us. We're waiting for you to come. Well, in this song from Mary that we just read, this is Israel's, now it makes sense. It happened. The Savior is here. We should have been trusting God the whole time. The Old Testament promises of God, they're happening here and now. And so what I want us to do today in our sermon is to frame it around this idea of what do we need to learn in our time of waiting? You know, Mary represents what, uh, what, what, what our response is when the waiting is over. What do we need to know while we're waiting? And I think we find that it's this, it's that you should pursue joyful worship with hopeful humility while resting assured that God remembers his promises. So point number one, while we wait, pursue joyful worship because of what Christ has done. Pursue joyful worship because of what Christ has done. In this text, we see Mary has been told by the angel, the angel has come to her and said, you're going to have a baby, not just any baby, but the Son of God. And then she goes, Mary goes, and she sees her relative Elizabeth, and she comes to the door, and before she can even say anything, Elizabeth bursts burst forth from the Spirit and says, You are the mother of my Lord. You are the mother of the Messiah. Elizabeth is saying the time of waiting is over. The Messiah is here. The promised one has come. And what does Mary do? What's her response? It's joyful worship. Look at verse 46 and 47. Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. She magnifies the Lord or she lifts up the name of the Lord. She makes great the name of the Lord and acknowledges that He is high and lifted up. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so she worships. And in worshiping, she rejoices in God. She's filled with joy. Not in herself or her accomplishments or in her good luck, but it's in God her Savior. You know, this worship and joy, we're used to thinking about worship and joy together as concepts. We just may not realize it in this particular context because we say, what's the chief end of man? It's to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. It's to worship with joy in God our Savior. Worship and joy together. And so we see this from Mary, and what do we need to do in our time of waiting? Yes, we can say, you know, we wait in lonely exile here for the Savior to return to make all things new. But our Savior has also already come. He's already saved us. He's already been born, lived, died, rose again, ascended to the right hand of the Father. This is what God has done. This is what God has done. 
And so because of what God has done in response to that, our response should be worship and joy. Or to say with the psalmist in Psalm 103, Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. That's to say my whole life is about praising the Lord and making his name great. We should be saying, I give everything that I am to you, Lord. All my desires and my hopes and my dreams and my gifts and my accomplishments, my relationships, I give them all to the Lord. And we confess that when you do this, when you totally give yourself to God, that's your highest good. That's your most joy. The most joy that you can, you can possibly have is in God. And so the psalmist says that your right hand, O oh God, are pleasures forevermore. We find joy in God's presence and in relationship with him. And this is the nature of the Christian life. This is what we are to be doing in our time of waiting. We worship and lift high the name of the Lord and we commune with him in an intimate relationship with him. Notice that this isn't just saying, I believe in God or I believe in the big man upstairs. No, this is to be able to say that God is my savior. I have a relationship with God. I know him and his presence brings me great joy. This is what it says in Luke 147, my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. This is saying the same thing. We'll see as we go through this text, Mary is remembering Old Testament verses and Old Testament passages and Old Testament stories. And so this is saying, just like Psalm 25, 5, where it says, you are the God of my salvation. For you, I wait all the day long. And we know that to be able to say that God is my Savior is to come to the Father through Jesus the Son. And today we're hearing about Jesus the Son, the Savior, who comes to take us to the Father, to give us true and lasting hope and salvation and joy in Him. But to receive, salvation is a receiving from the Father. To receive salvation, you need humility. Your relationship with God is a relationship of hopeful humility. And so point number two, while we wait, we have a posture of hopeful humility because of what God will do. In verse 48, Mary says, He has looked on the humble estate of his servant. She says God has looked upon her or God has turned to her. And this is the same thing that the psalmist says in Psalm 25. So if you have your Bible, it's not in the bulletin, I apologize. But if you have your Bible and you look at Psalm 25, Mayer recalls this verse in verse 16. In Psalm 25, 16, it says, Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble. And forgive all my sins. Think about, the, think about where, where Mary is. She's probably a little lonely. She just left her hometown to go to where Elizabeth is. She's probably afraid. She's probably afflicted. You can imagine people might be talking behind her back. She's telling people, I'm pregnant, but also I'm a virgin. And also this is the Son of God. 
which seems is a pretty shocking claim if you can imagine somebody just telling you that one day. You can imagine she's probably overwhelmed. She's been told you are to be the mother of the Messiah. You will raise him. You will teach him how to live. Now that is an overwhelming task. So to be lonely, to be afflicted, to be overwhelmed at where God has called us to be in life. This is something we all understand. And so you have to admit that this really is you. You really do need a Savior. You need someone to forgive you of your sins. You need someone to help you through your troubles in this life. And you need mercy. You need mercy. So you have to come to the point where you realize there's nothing in me where I can go and stand before God and say, yes, God, you should really save me because of me doing X, Y, or Z. Or, God, you should really save me because I'm a pretty all right guy. No, no, no. To stand before a great, holy, and mighty God is to know fear. It's to know that God is holy and perfect, and I am not. And so Mary says in verse 50, His mercy is for those who fear Him. His mercy is for those who fear Him. What this is getting at is, it's one of our professors at uh, RTS, where I go to seminary, he always says, in the Christian life, the way down is the way up. The way down is the way up. And this is just a way of saying that being a Christian means humbling yourself before a great and mighty God so that He can lift you up. Christianity isn't lifting yourself up by your bootstraps Christianity is falling on your face before an almighty God. It's fearing Him and trusting yourself into His care. Trusting yourself into His, His will. If, we have, if you're filled with sinful pride, that's to set yourself up against God. It's to contradict God. And I have to warn you that if you go toe-to-toe with the God of the universe, you will lose. If you think you don't need some God to come and save you, you will find yourself made small before a great and mighty, powerful God. Listen to what God's Word says in verse 51 through 53. He, that is God, has shown strength with His arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. If you want to rise up before God, you will be lowered before him. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God puts down those who would unjustly raise themselves up, but God exalts those who are humble before him. The way down is the way up. For those who would fear the Lord, Yahweh will raise them up into a relationship with Him through Christ. This is what God will do. What will God do? God will raise you up. It's hopeful humility, knowing what God will do. And so in verse 50, where Mary says His mercy is for those who fear Him, she's, if we go back to Psalm 25, which Mary has been remembering, it shows us what is this fear like, what, is, what does it mean to fear the Lord? Psalm 25, verse 14 says, The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear Him. 
the, the intimate knowledge of the Lord, the relationship of the Lord is for those who fear Him. When you lower yourself in reverent awe of God, He stoops down to lift you up into friendship with Himself. When you approach the Father with fear, then you know an intimate closeness and relationship with Him. This most powerful, mighty God says, come to me. Come to me. He exalts people like me, like you who are sinners, who struggle, who are lonely, who are afflicted. That's who God intends to exalt. Verse 53, he fills the hungry with good things. We're hungry for the Lord and his salvation. Hungry for him to come and save us. And he promised us what he will do is give us good things. These good things, I want to show you Psalm 103. Psalm 103, verse 5, it's asking, Who satisfies you with good? Or who satisfies you with good things? Like Mary just said. Who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles? It's the Lord. It's the Lord who will lift you up, who will fill you with good things. And these good things, it's everywhere in Psalm 103. Verse 3. The Lord forgives all your sin. The Lord heals all your diseases. The Lord redeems your life from the pit. Verse 4 in Psalm 103. It's the Lord who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. And verse 6. It's the Lord who works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. And verse 8. It's the Lord who's merciful and gracious. He's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. In verse 10, it's the Lord who does not deal with us according to our sins. He doesn't give us what we deserve. In verse 11, it's the Lord whose love for us is high as the heavens are above the earth. Verse 12, it's the Lord who removes our sins as far as the east is from the west. It's the Lord in verse 13 who's like a father to us, who has compassion on his children. It's in verse 14, it's the Lord who knows our frame. He knows that we are dust. Jesus Christ enters into our humanity. The second person of the Trinity takes on human flesh. He knows that we are dust. He's here to help us. And so with hopeful humility, lower yourself before an almighty God, knowing that He, the Lord, will lift you up. He will fill you with good things. These are the good things of the Lord and so, in hopeful humility, lose your life so that you will find it in friendship with God. With a posture of humility, come, lose your life for the sake of Christ, and find hope. Find true life, find worship, and find joy. Now, if we take a step back, we think about all the things that we've said. This is hard. And honestly, if we're totally honest, it's a little terrifying. Because basically what we said so far is, is that God requires you to literally empty yourself of all that you have and to give it all to Him. And to trust that He and He alone will satisfy you. No one else, nothing else will satisfy you, only the Lord. And you are saying, Lord, I trust you with everything that I possibly have. Everything that I possibly can be, it is yours. And that can seem hard. That can seem like a lot. So when you fill the Holy Spirit, 
pulling on your heart to give the Lord everything that you have. When you feel this, this is a huge step of faith. And I'm, this is, I mean, it can make you shake and be terrified to just hand yourself to the Lord like this. So know this, and point number three is this, while we wait, rest assured because God will remember his promises. Rest assured because God will remember his promises. The whole focus of Mary's song, her song of praise, is on our covenant God and his covenant faithfulness. He fulfills the promises that he has made to his people. She's not just praising God because she's going to have a baby, although that is certainly something to praise God for. But Mary, well, Mary knows, Mary, did you know? Yes, Mary knows that this is the baby who's the Messiah. This is the promised one of Israel. This is the Christ promised of our God. And so when we, 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 we use her, we, we see her saying, this is God's promises being fulfilled, and this is how we know we can trust him. And so let's, let's work that out a little bit. In verse 54, in Luke 1, verse 54, He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. The Lord has helped his servant Israel, so the Lord has reached out his hand to help his servant Israel. The Lord reaches out and he acts on behalf of his children and you can know the same is true for you, no matter where you are in your waiting in this time between the advents, no matter how dark the circumstances, no matter how uh, hard, no matter how much you struggle and hurt, God will remember you and God will reach out his hand to help you. The Lord makes a promise and he keeps his promise. When God speaks, he remembers and you may not remember the promises that God makes to you, but God remembers the promises that God makes to you. And we have to know that this is true even when the evidence just doesn't add up. When you look around you and the things that you see say, I don't see how God can be here. Well, big picture, Luke, who's writing this gospel, he's everywhere, he's, he's referencing back. Remember Abraham, remember Israel, remember Abraham, remember Israel. And Mary herself, in verse 55, she reminds us of this and says, God spoke these promises to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever, to Abraham and to Israel. And earlier in the story, if you look back in Luke, Elizabeth, Mary's relative, who she's gone to see, well, she was actually old in age so that she couldn't bear a child, and she had been barren. So Elizabeth is barren and not able to have a child just like Abraham and Sarah. They were old, too old to have a child, and they were barren. But now, just like Abraham and Sarah, God has miraculously provided a child. And so remember, it's to Abraham the promise that a, a Messiah will come to bless all the nations of the earth through Israel, through the line of Abraham. It was him who received that promise, and yet the Israelites went into Egypt. They were in slavery. The Messiah hasn't come. It's, they're waiting and waiting and waiting. But now Mary says, this is my child. My child is the Messiah. This is the one that was promised to Abraham. This is the one promised to Israel. And so Mary looks back to Israel's past. She looks back to the history of God redeeming and saving his people. And she remembers 
Remember, she's remembering the Old Testament. She remembers this verse in Exodus 2, 23 through 25. She remembers this verse where Israel, they're in slavery to Egypt. And it says, during those many days, the king of Egypt died. And the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery. They cried out for help. They're crying out for help because it seems like, where is God? We're in slavery, just like we feel slave to sin. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. And God heard their groaning. And God remembered. God remembered his covenant with Abraham. This is what Mary is pointing us to. God remembers his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. I love that part. It just says, God knew. He knows where you are. So the Israelites, while they're waiting for the Messiah to come, I'm sure that some fell away because they saw there's no way God's uh, fulfilling his promises. There's no way God is here. But let's not fall away. Don't you fall away. Because Mary is saying in verse 54, God has remembered his people before. God has remembered his people in the coming of Christ. And God will remember his people in the second coming of Christ. Mary is saying God is delivering his people. Through Jesus Christ, God is delivering his people. And when we remember, we anticipate Christmas. We anticipate the infant baby boy, Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, being born to live a perfect life, to save us from our sins, to lead us out of oppression, uh, to, to sin and to slavery, to give us new life, to rise again from the dead, to defeat Satan and evil. And then we know that because God has done this in Christ, God will fulfill his promise to send Christ back again. God will fulfill his promise. In the time of Advent, we look back to how God has fulfilled his promise. And we know, we know without a shadow of a doubt that God will fulfill his future promise and Jesus will return. So when you're depressed and when you doubt that God is really there for you, when you doubt that you're really loved or cared for by anyone, maybe we need to remember God's promise. He hears. He remembers. He has come, and he's coming again. Joyfully worship with hopeful humility. And when you're anxious and you're stressed and you're worried, you're feeling guilty because of your sin and shame, when you feel like there's no way God can provide, the situation is just too bad, Maybe, just maybe, we need to remember that God hears, God sees, and God remembers his mercy to those who fear him. Joyfully worship with hopeful humility. God makes promises, God remembers promises, and God keeps his promises always. Therefore, you can trust him. You can trust our God. You can and should and must Give yourself utterly and totally to the Lord. And as you do, remember that we've been promised that the baby boy of Christmas is coming back. In his second coming, he's coming back as the risen conqueror, the divine warrior king in human flesh. He's coming back to reach out with his strong arm, to take his sheep, to bring them to himself, to bring in the new heavens and the new earth, and if you want to be with him on that day, then this Advent, this year, today, 
joyfully worship. Approach your God with hopeful humility and rest assured knowing that he will keep his promises. Today's the day to lay down your pride. Today's the day to step out of fearful worry and instead fear the Lord. Throw yourself onto the God of the universe, onto our Savior and Redeemer, and trust the promises that he will deliver you from your sins. He will come back to take you to himself. He will give you life, and he will give you hope. You can put your trust in him because God remembers, and he's coming back. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, that you are faithful, that you remember us, you see us, and you hear us as we cry out to you. Lord, work in our hearts a true faith that humbly lays down before you and waits for you to lift us up. Would you be our strength and our guide as we wait on your return? And would you use us for the good of your kingdom until that day will come? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.